When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The podcast contains mature language and adult discussion. Do I just cut the tip of this? I think I'm going to gig during our um, our bunkhouse segment today. I think it would be unexpected to, to get a little color. What are you, br- a- you having a bris? <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi. <laughs> Rabbi. Brother. Brother. I just take a sliver of this, right? Yeah. Oh, you cut, you cut it like a, like a, just cut the end of it. Like the, uh, yeah. So you have like a triangle. The, right, the corner, and then uh, yeah. just... Oh, hi, everybody. I didn't realize uh, you were here. Kind of dropping in unexpectedly like that, aren't you, here for Click This, the Kevin Nash podcast. As promised, we're going hard with that bunkhouse stampede today, so I just wanted to make sure... Kevin brought up possibly getting color. Maybe the first guy ever to get color on a uh, on a podcast, and, you know, I figured... Figured I would do that since I'd never done it. You learned from Barry Windham. I learned from Kevin Nash. Nice. You know, where, where, you, where did you hide your gig? That's another decision you have to make when you're yeah, going to play. Why, I think that's why every wrestler has tape on their wrists. Well, but that's, I know some guys would put it in their mouth. Sheiky yeah, would, that's, you know, come on. Oh, I, please. I, I, I couldn't imagine working a match, getting smacked in the face, and you got a gig bouncing around your Clearly, yeah. a lot of wrestlers didn't worry about the dental plan, or fucking, and then or, or, or passing that through their colon, or right, exactly, or, or um, you know, I, I tell you a funny story. Go ahead. One time we, I think it was, it might have been the Halloween havoc that me and Scott had, and I got him outside, and I fucking, I worked his body with like body shots, and um, we went to the uh, to one of the uh, FX guys and said, "Hey, can you make us some fucking." Like some caro syrup and fucking like red dye, like, like you know, blood capsules. So we get in the back and the guys are like, fuck, man, what would you guys use? Like, a, did you guys like draw blood and put it in a condom? And we're like, no, we fucking use caro syrup. What the fuck are you? No, you kick your tongue? No, we used fucking blood capsules, you fucking marks. So you had a mouth bleed uh, during the match? Yeah, who was, you know, he, he, had, he put a bunch in his mouth, you know. And uh, he had him over. We had him hidden in the corner of the mat. So when he like sold over there, they were by the steps. He put him in his mouth, and I went to work on him. And while I was working on him, he fucking was spitting blood up. That's great. Yeah. So um, you kept it in your wrist tape. Hogan yeah. would drop after Hogan would keep it in the tape. He would gig, and then he would drop it in his tights, loosely bouncing around. You talked about the bris, but that's a, that's another danger. See, I would always retape it, and I would always make sure that the referee had a backup. I heard that, yeah. I always make sure the referee had a backup. Because a lot of times you go too long and the shit will drive, you don't go deep enough. That's why these fuckers go coast to coast, you know? Right. Murray used to watch Abdul the Butcher fucking take those long 
fucking uh, Q-tips and fucking clean like those crevices in his fucking forehead. Yeah. After the matches, you know, and it's just like I'm like, God. like, yeah, he I clearly guess, had the worst roadmap, right? Yeah, I guess fucking pussy is just not even like <laughs> on his mind, right? Well, he had three on the yeah, top of his head. He had twenty three. Look like a fucking <clears throat> Klingon fucking vagina or something. New Jack's was pretty fucking bad, too. Yeah. They say if you go like with the, I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. If you go like yeah, with the no, grain. Because eventually, I mean, like now in my life, like I've got fucking, you know, like, you know, look at that. Like I got fucking lines. I mean, you, if I had gigs in there, they, they, you can't, you can't tell that's a gig or, they, I mean, I'm just an old fucker. Right. You know? Yeah. Gotcha. You I'm know that, old, I'm old because I didn't get fucking hepatitis from gigging too deep. It's it's a miracle that more guys those fucking mats are filthy, right? Oh, by the fuck. by the third match, it's it's a horror show. Not only the dirt, but you've got um other people's blood on there and stuff. It's a miracle you didn't hear more guys getting stuff from bleeding. Well, I think anybody that can fucking like most guys wore the same trunks for like 20 straight days. So I mean, it was just like <laughs> the least of their worries was you know, the least of their worries was that fucking that math they're occasionally hitting. That's good. Your, your opponent might have a little penicillin on his balls that you exactly. can rub like if you mold. get infected. You know, uh, we should, uh, I'm going to give you the full list of number ones that we are. Now we always say, Oh, thank you. You know, England, you made us number one. Thank you. And we leave people out. We do. So I went on before and I, this was as of, I guess, as of yesterday, last night, this is where we're number one, the number one wrestling podcast. We're in various places for sports and overall actually, but, but consistently with wrestling, number one in the United States, number one in great Britain, Canada, Australia, France, Belgium, where you got your painting. Um, no, that's oh, sorry. Uh, Poland. Are these all places you've worked, by the way? Because these are all people who have made the Kevin Nash podcast number one. Did you work Belgium? Uh, I think Brussels. Okay. Poland? No, but I've worked my pole a few times. <laughs> Israel? Yes. Panama? No. You're number one in Panama. Very big with the uh, the extended Noriega family. Uh, Nicaragua, number one. I've been there. Okay. Cayman Islands, number uh-huh. one. I've been there. Make a little deposit. <laughs> How about uh, number two, Croatia? Wow. Can't nail number one in Croatia yet. I, I should look at what the show is that is number one in Croatia that we have to usurp. Fixing your T-72. <laughs> And Peru, we're number two in Peru also. Yeah. We actually shouted them out when we were talking about um, the coca leaf the other day. Yes, we gave a Peruvian, a Peruvian <laughs> that shout didn't, out. That didn't catapult us to the top spot. I probably I dropped us a spot. We're trying to get away from that, you assholes. <laughs> uh, so true. Show feedback. We always tell everybody that you will be always a part, a part of us, a part of our show, on our minds always. Um, TXC, never thought I'd be out on a walk laughing my arse off that you and real Kevin Nash are talking about Viking longboat-sized turds, but here we are. It's truly a golden age we live in. 
Yeah, she go back to I don't know which one was that we <laughs> we were covering uh, Nash is cutting up the uh, cutting well, up anything. Yeah, that, we were talking about the, uh, the 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 same product that uh, was after it was it was after uh, it was after right. Flair's thing because we right. and I discussed the. Uh, yeah, you know what? I had a fan on Twitter ask what that uh, colon cleanse product was, so I was I was happy to share it with them. Nice. Uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll get some photos of that. Chris uh, Pant- Pantaleo. There are not many storytellers better than Nash. That's one smart person. Any interview with him is great. You got them all fooled, Kev. It's the CTE. Evan James, I've always liked real Kevin Nash, but after listening to his new podcast, click this podcast with Kayfabe Sean. I like him even more. Sean's cool, too. Like the show a lot. Thanks, Evan. Ayad Ali. Yeah, Kevin Nash has sung on this podcast more than any other episode he has. Yeah, that's right. You actually, you did a couple of numbers. You're going to have to get your game back up. People are paying attention. They want to hear you. I, I had the shits last week, so I mean, I, I'm I'm, 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 I'm killing it. Trying to make a rebound, represent Detroit. But it was a perfect it was a perfect opportunity for a little uh Merle Haggard, I think, last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Maynard owns writes Mick Foley also has a new podcast. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Okay. I find myself listening to this one first day of release. As good as Mick's podcast is, I tend to give it some days or skip episodes depending on the title. This one I never skip because Kev is such a good talker. Mick is too, but he tells it more in his onstage comedy storytelling stuff. We heard some of that on stage when we were on stage. Mick did his run-in. at yeah, Mick's, uh, Mick's entertaining. Mick is entertaining. Tim, click but a selfish lover, <laughs> fully selfish lover, selfish lover. Absolutely, he's a selfish lover. Uh, Tim says, uh, "Click this podcast is the only thing that has gotten him through work this week." Hope you're not a federal judge, Barry Lindiff. That and a couple of gaggers of meth. Ah! <laughs> Barry Lindoff listening to this week's podcast had to pull over from laughing so hard. I was crossing lanes on the interstate in that uh, in that serendipitous moment. I had a million dollar idea. The jackknife poop knife, he says. You were talking about having a because you're so OCD. I actually, wanted saw, a, that, I actually saw it. I think they, he put that on Twitter, but I think Diesel was holding the poop knife. It yes, was it was blue. blue. It was a blue plastic yep. knife. I saw that. Yeah. So touche, my man. If you missed the episode, Kev was talking about having to cut up a, a long deuce every once in a while, the long boat, the Viking long boat, and uh, Barry's working on a device uh, that you can do that with. Don't use the same one to gig. You'll definitely, definitely get a staph infection. Mike Bow, I'm enjoying the show, and we align on pretty much all of these issues politically. You talked today about putting issues up to a vote, similar to ballot initiatives. Problem there is those in the minority don't have a path to progress. Um, because they're not voting, you mean? Because they don't go to the polls? Not sure. I, you know, I, I, I don't see how anybody that's getting anything on a ballot is yeah, would be, would I mean, be it, beneficial. Yeah, it's, it's, it's how I mean, how how well? No, let them let let those old motherfuckers that are are, are counting the days till they die. Let them make the decisions. Yeah, 
And they I, lie I to us. What, that was the yeah, whole point. They uh, lie to get in, and they don't follow through on the promises. When I can't figure something out, especially like technology-wise, I usually go look for like an 86-year-old like human. 20 minutes ago? Yeah. Right, we'll for guidance, the, right, on how to – right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get your advice there. Anyway, uh, you know, it's funny. I was – I'm in Florida. I was at uh, – we we do Disney several times a year, and I'm on the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. It's the new ride in um, Epcot, and it's a pretty long line. And we're standing there, and uh, I'd been on it a couple of times. I'm not a roller coaster guy. I'm not like Foley. I'm not a thrill ride guy. But this one's very good. It's very cool. I recommend it. But so I'm there, wait with my kids, you know, waiting online to get on some friends, and you know, every once in a while, the the nine year old needs some assurances. She's a thrill ride chick, but every once in a while, she's like, "Dad, is this is this cool? This one's safe." I'm like, "Wouldn't be in the park if it was safe." I say that a door fucking opens, an exit door, and coming the other way, they're pushing a guy on a wheelchair. He's doubled over. He's got those little those round uh, sticker things that they put on you when they're going to attach stuff to you. Mm -hmm. He's got them gimmicks on. They were clear the way, please clear the way, please. Nothing to see here. You know, they're flying past me with this kind of fucking wheelchair. His family's behind him bawling, following the workers out the door. Now I got to do this damage control because I've been on this fucking line an hour and a half. I'm not getting off it now. So, uh, yeah. So I have to be like, he obviously had a bad stomach. Did you see, Lana, did you see him like this? Did you see him like this? He, he had a bad stomach. How's your stomach? Your stomach is fine, right? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wide-eyed for the rest of the ride. She's reading all the things on the top, like, you must be in perfect health. Or she goes, Dad, I'm, a, I'm in perfect health, right? I'm like, you are absolutely fine. Now, okay, so now that's a shot of the exit of the ride, I right. believe. And... Right after this ride, when you're wildly disoriented, um, by the way, we just got word that Cornette is number one in Croatia, so we have some work to do. Um, so the exit of the ride, you get off, you're already disoriented. They have you climb this massive staircase only to then climb one down. Someone fell the other day coming off the ride. They were dizzy and they fell and like smashed their face and stuff. I do recommend the ride, but it's uh, it's 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 a bit of work. There's nothing on earth on. worth that many steps in my life. For me, nothing. it's the time. It's the time. Like when I'm on ride right for an hour, I turn to my wife and I start. I get I get like I'm like, honey, you I must wouldn't. make you must make good coin. Fuck it, it costs about eleven grand a day to fuck around in Disney. <laughs> yeah, they're not uh, they're not playing around over no, there. I motherfucking high dollars a motherfucker, man. It's going to be more now that uh, DeSantis took away their uh, their right to to uh, govern their own property, kind of function as a uh, yeah. as a county independent of Florida is is no Did longer. You, yeah, until that fucking surrounding county fucking gets that tax bill for a billion fucking dollars yeah. spread across a bunch of fucking hundred twenty three thousand dollar homes. Yeah, yeah true. Good 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 luck getting that vote. Very true. Smart them fuckers up. I came across something this week. It was a uh, it was a piece on actors that were high during famous films. Okay, ten actors who actually weren't sober. I guess you're not allowed to say high. Actually, weren't sober. Very strange way to put that while filming. So I want to go over some of these. See if you uh, if you would have recognized it, these incidents where this happened. If one of them's Pineapple Express, I'm going to be really surprised. <laughs> 
That was uh, Downey Jr., right? Wasn't it? Oh, it was Seth no. Rogen and Frank. Oh, Rogen. Seth Rogen. What's the one I'm thinking of where Robert Downey Jr. Uh, uh, was in blackface? No, he was um, uh, fucking Thunder. Tropical Thunder? Tropical Thunder, right. Okay. I don't know That's why I Tom, Tom Cruise is that fucking character, man. It takes you a minute to figure, figure out who the fuck he is. You're like, who the fuck is that? Right. Joey King, stoned on the last day of filming The Kissing Booth 2 and 3. Sorry, missed it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Margot Robbie. She's talented. Listen, she's she's a talented one, that, that youngster. Margot Robbie did a few shots of tequila before shooting the nude scene for Wolf of Wall Street. Because she had to get loosened up a little bit where she lays on the floor, spreads her legs, and he uh, climbs up in her. Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface. He revealed that he was high on weed during the entire filming of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Always good to handle a chainsaw around your crew. Well, I'd be high, I mean, I'd be, with, the, with the amount of fucking uh, dialogue he had, so. <laughs> Maybe that explains the uh, the butterfly knife on, on the set of your uh, film there. Yeah. Maybe that explains was, fucking Rock of Ages. <laughs> the, the, the go there and stand, cool. Uh, Dash Duhamel, <laughs> Josh Duhamel. Anyone? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Spaceman accidentally smoked a real joint. Accidentally smoked a real joint. I'm using that one someday. <laughs> oh shit! It was the real one. It was the real butterfly knife. That, it was, was the real he joint. Was, he was. Uh, I saw. What's the uh, premiere of uh, dating Josh Hamilton or whatever the fuck it was? He was the star of that. He's been in a thousand things, but it was just like just he's Michael Rappaport. Good actor. Had to be sedated while filming a scene in True Romance. I, I feel like Michael Rappaport might have been high in more than that. But that motherfucker! Motherfucker! I dig him, man. Yeah, he's fucking... You know, I, I was watching the uh, that movie that Tom Hanks, uh, you know, he's Scully. And you know, Rapper's oh, yeah. got the fucking cameo as the bartender. I'm thinking, see, that, that's the perfect place in life right there. Just a little, I'd like that life right there. That in for two, three days, boom, you know, bam. Yeah. yeah. Do do like three days on five memorable films a year, right? Yeah. True Romance, I think, is, is one of my top fucking 20 films. Now, that was written by Tarantino? I don't know. I, I know that Slater just fucking kills it. Arquette's great in it. Uh, fucking uh, Tony Soprano, the uh, fucking Galfield is the fucking heel. She fucking yeah. torches him with the, I think she hits him with the uh, hairspray or something, burns him. Yeah, it was written by Quentin, but directed uh, by Tony Scott. Yeah, by far, the, I think Sl that was Slater's best work ever. Where's he now? Uh, probably they don't get to, you know, it's a fucking, uh, that life is not, unless you're fucking hot working all the time. It's just, it's like. It bothered me that he did the Jack things like so egregiously in the beginning, the Nicholson thing, you know, the delivery of every line was just a little too much like Jack. And that's one that. There's a few you just can't, you shouldn't touch, right? Shouldn't touch Jack. 
<laughs> Wesley Snipes was allegedly smoking weed the entire time on uh, Blade Trinity. I'll have to talk to Hunter on that. What was it? What was he on it? Yeah, Hunter. Hunter was. Okay. A, yeah, Hunter was. That was the one with Ryan Reynolds, right? Let's Ryan see. Reynolds. Uh, would know that. Yes. Affirmative. Steve says. Yeah. Billy Bob Thornton got extremely intoxicated for a big scene in Big Santa. Shocked about that. Anna Kendrick and Olivia Wilde drunk on the set of Drinking Buddies. I guess I don't have to say allegedly, right? Because they're admitting to all this. A lot of the cast of Days and Confused was high during filming. Okay. Sweet. Method. Denise Richards and Nev Campbell shared margaritas before filming a kissing scene in Wild Things. Should How hot was she when they when she's fucking washing that Jeep and she uh Jesus. Nev? No, it was Denise. That was, oh, the, Denise. First, that was the first time I ever saw her in, in, in a film. I remember just thinking to myself. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember. Wild that. things. Yeah. Wild things. She was, yeah, yeah. You know, she was doing she was washing Dylan's Jeep. I could place the movie for a minute. Now, in yeah. the ring, have you? Um, who's the most intoxicated person you've ever been in the ring with? And if it's yourself, you can say yourself. Tom, I know uh, you guys would Tom, pop. Tommy, Tommy Rich. Okay, Tommy Rich, Savannah, Georgia. It was one of the few locker uh, locker rooms in, back in the day where when it was like heels and baby faces, and there was a kitchen in between the two locker rooms at the Savannah Civic Center. And they said, you know, Tommy wants to talk to you. And here I walked back here. He says, hey, listen, number one, big man. Don't worry about anything. I fucking work drunk. You just do all your big man shit, man. You just fucking throw me around. Time comes right. My fucking wildfire fire up on your ass. Make come back and fucking just hit me that finish. All right. We're good. I'm like, we went out there and fucking you missed the stuff. He was fucking barely. It was he was holding on to a fucking stainless steel fucking uh, shelving as he was explaining what he was going to do to, to, to keep. Afford anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. It's balance. <laughs> Fucking, he came through it evening. You know, came through the fucking curtain and started smacking hands, and it was like he was light. He was on his toes. I was like, "That's a fucking. That's an old school pro, right that's there. That's a pro, right? Yeah, that's absolutely. A fucking pro. Anybody can work sober. <laughs> now you would wait till they kicked in and then go home, right? That was the thing with you and Sean. You, the first you, time I remember, we were in the Royal Albert Hall, and um, I was I was Diesel, and. This is when the drug test was hot and heavy, and we knew that they would never, never test us in a fucking country that um, was didn't speak English. So we're finishing up. The, it's the last. We're going to Austria and Germany next. So I tell like we, we scored some hash. Let's go. So I'll have to go. I'll finish this story, but I'll have to go back to the to the the, the next part. So, um, 
So we score some hash and like Scott and Sean are like, let's get stoned like up in the room before we go down. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't feel good about this. I said, well, just fucking wait till we, you know, get to the building to make sure there's not fucking lab coats. It's fucking man. We walk in, there's the lab coats. So we're like, oh, walk in where the fuck we just walk. We can't wait to piss. You know, we're pissing, you know, here's my thanks. Bye. We go, we look around, look around, we go down some stairs, we go into this room, and there's like fucking paper mache heads and all this different shit that they use for, you know, different things in, in Royal Albert Hall. And we make a fucking little hash can, fucking poke holes in it, we're down there fucking, you know, rifling this fucking hash. And, uh, you know, I go upstairs, and I'm putting on my gear, and all of a sudden, it's just like, whoa, fuck, man. Because hash is such a different, it's like a body buzz, it's not so much, you know, in the head. Yeah. It's more fucking the butt. And I, I went out there, man, and I was so fucking stoned, but I was so fucking chill. And of course, Scott and, 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 and uh, Sean are, are after me. So I'm out. This is like early, early diesel. I'm just, I'm still with Sean. So I go out there, man, and I do fucking Shakespeare. I take my time. I'm fucking, I'm just, blah, 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 you know, I came back. They're both like, and they're, they're stoned too. So of course, you're like, that's it right there you don't fucking work any other way but like that and like like it's like stone right so we just need to get stoned every fucking night like that ain't gonna happen but um so the next day we're actually supposed to take a flight and the uh ira or somebody shoots like these fucking uh dummy missiles or some shit at heathrow and they close the fucking airport down Mm. So I'm up in the morning and I go down and eat breakfast. I come back upstairs and I fucking hear some people talking at the front desk. As I'm going upstairs, I stop, turn around, and said, What's going on? I said, They shot some missiles at Heathrow. So I go upstairs, put the fucking TV on. All flights canceled, blah, 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 blah. All these motherfuckers are, are running to get on the bus. And they're like, You know, well, what are you three guys doing? I said, well, you ain't fucking, I'm not going to sit in fucking airport all day. I'll go walk around London and fucking hang out, you know? So we said, we still had some of that hash left. So me, Scott, and uh, Sean, we, we go walking around London, and we go to this little tobacco shop, and we buy a pipe with a fucking screen in it. So we fucking go in the back, and we go down this alleyway, and, you know, we, you got to, get the fucking, you know, hash hot, you know, so you can fucking, so it'll crumble up in the fucking pipe. And Scott takes a fucking, takes a hit, and he's on top of the shelf about this high, he's got the fucking hash, like, sitting up there. So about that time around the corner, fucking, we, we hear, what are you fucking doing? What are you fucking out pissing or what you're doing? It's a fucking Bobby. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, my God. So... I step back, like I step back, and he's fucking, he's, and he's talking to Scott. And Scott fucking says, no, man, I'm just tying my shoe. And Scott's got this high techs on. He's tying his shoes. And fucking, he, he looks over me, he goes, what are you doing? And fucking Scott, just with his hand, fucking just brushes the fucking hash off the top of that fucking thing. Just poof, it's gone. So now I'm thinking, like, and he's got a whistle in his hand. I'm thinking, if he's going to fucking blow this whistle, this isn't back when there was surveillance. And she'd be like, should I clip this motherfucker? Oh my like, god, really? Like I'm thinking like in my mind, like, you know, I'm I'm stoned. I'm thinking, fuck. 
Detroit came out of my ass like, <laughs> like good luck. I think we're going to get out of fucking uh, out of fucking Heathrow the next day, right? But actually, we flew out of Gatwick, so we probably would have been cool. We went right out. Then we stayed to this Holiday Inn in Kensington, and we went right down the street. There was a, a fucking uh, a subway. I think they call it the Tube. And you could go directly to Gatwick, and you could check your bags right there. And we checked and went. To, I think we flew to Cologne or someplace like that. But but wait, speaking of, speaking of riding the tube, wh- what did you tell him you were doing in the alley? So the, the the hash has gone off the thing. Now who's he got said the pipe? Ti- Scott did. Scott still has the pipe. Yeah, but he fucking Scott already had put that in his his, his waistband because we had okay. a, a fucking penny a fanny packs. Right. So he put it behind the fanny pack in his waistband. And when he turned around, like he, Scott didn't panic, you know. So the Maybe. officer just just accepted that you he were said, sucking each just, other's cocks. He told and us let to, you he go. just said, he said, ah, fuck off, don't be pissing in the fucking alleyway. And we just walked up the uh, into the alleyway, and we're just like, I think we've had enough fun for fucking London. Let's go back and eat fucking some room service. <laughs> like fuck this, man. Would your uh, would your celebrity overseas get you out of trouble like that? Clipping a fucking bobby? Not clipping the bobby, but having a, a bale of fucking hash in, in your fanny pack. We got fired by, I mean, Vince would have fired us. Uh, even you guys? Yeah. Okay. So Tommy, no Rich was the, Tommy Rich was the most loaded of anyone you'd been yeah. in the ring with. And he took care of you, right? So yeah, it was all right. Tom, it was like, wasn't like he was picking me up or anything. Tommy Rich, I have a great Tommy Rich story. It's in Todd Gordon's book. It's going to be called Todd is God. It's a lot of great stories. Anyway, they're working in Buffalo and he's on match like six and like four is in the ring. And he keeps asking Todd, what number's in the ring? Todd's like, four is in the ring. You're up in in two. He's like, I got to run out, get some stuff. I guess he had in driving in. He didn't have time to stop in the hood in Buffalo, but I guess he scoped out where he thought he could make a good purchase. So he thought match four would be a good time to run out and do that. And Todd's like, can, can you just maybe during match seven go out and take care of it? He's like, no, 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 I'll be fine. I'm fine. So he heads out, not back in time. So they make a switch. They have uh, Paulie sends a different match out, comes back in the Buffalo snow without boots or socks anymore. He comes back barefoot. Never gave an explanation as to what happened, but got in and worked that way. But Tommy Rich is a consummate pro. Can't fucking put, you can't put a, a, a fucking hockey stick in those spokes, baby. You'll okay. pedal right through it. Do you ever work Sandman? You never had to work Sandman. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, you did? Yeah, it's actually when we use the fucking uh, stiff shot, he's in the corner of that shot. Sandman? Yeah, the graphic. When I'm like, that's yeah, that's oh, right oh, there. oh, right, right. Stiff shot. Like, yeah, that is him. Oh shit. So, so I'm working Sandman, and um, <laughs> we have like a, a, a hardcore match. I've never, uh-huh. I've never worked with him before in my life. Don't really know the guy, but I'd seen him on fucking because I used to like watch that uh, ECW on Sunshine. Yeah, when I was down here in Florida, I always thought it was it was good to get fucking stoned to. So. uh so Sandman does this fucking game. We get we get a ladder, and I'm laying on my side now. He's like, "What the fuck is he doing?" And all of a sudden, he goes up to the, like the top rope, and he gets the ladder. And like, oh, he's gonna ride that motherfucker down. I mean, like, how the fuck is that not gonna hurt? And all of a sudden, <laughs> just like, wham! I'm like, motherfucker! Somebody's gotta have that fucking. I think I get up and hit him with a fucking fire extinguisher. I kicked him. I was like, you motherfucker! Do you know how much money I made? 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that wasn't on Hack's mind there. No, yeah. he was saying, get over. He played Ab- Abdul the Butcher. Come in and beat somebody with a kendo stick. Beat, if you're going to beat him, beat him to death. Just get over, brother. Hack, um, he was in a feud with, with Mick Foley and, um, in ECW and, and Mick, Mick went to Todd and said, listen, I, I can't, I can't go out there if he's this loaded every night. So they told Hack, just, you know, drink after. Don't, don't go to the ring load. So, of course, he gets in the ring and cuts the Euro Pussy promo before the match, which wasn't appreciated by anybody. But they work in the match. Todd's standing next to Paulie, and they eventually look at each other and go, this match sucks. <laughs> they never asked him to work sober again. Right. You clearly got him after that. Um, there was, When did they start testing? For what? Steroids In WWE, or? yeah. Oh no, 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 not steroids for for illicit. Uh... I I came in in '93 and there was absolute no uh, tolerance for 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 uh, any cannabis or you know anything. It, you, you could uh, if you didn't have uh, a script for whatever was in your uh, body uh, as far as prescription drugs, uh, you were fucked. And if you it was basically alcohol and pills if you had a script. So, oh, yeah, because I think I think probably around ninety two is when that all started, and uh, that would make sense then. So they tested everything. They t- tested pot, pills, obviously coke or anything like that, right? Roids, Roy, oh, roids, right? Yeah, roids was huge because yeah, they it was changing. Through, they were going, well, time. they were going through that steroid. That trial. was the scandal. Yeah, that was the the trial yeah. time. So, who are the road agents doing the testing? <laughs> no, fucking, they bring in a. Uh, D. Pascal, Mauro D. Pascal, the, the, yeah. the doctor. Yeah, he was he was the one in charge of it, and he, they did. Um, it was very expensive too because they did like that. It was um, what was it called? No, it was some kind. It wasn't like a normal piss test. It was almost like it was like. Uh, like it was very expensive. The way they processed. Yeah, it, like mean, it yeah. was like you know, the chance you get get you know like if you you know. Back in the day, it was like, you know, dip your finger in bleach 15 times, let it dry, and then when you do your, your piss test, piss, not, piss on your hand. Yeah, this wasn't going to work. Right. So. We're, um, we're, uh, now what about WCW now? So, uh, when you get there. 96? Yeah. Is there any test? Fucking spring break, baby. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Yes, that wasn't happening in WCW. Me, me and Scott's MO was we'd, we'd get to fucking Nitro. Whatever arena we were in, we'd go to the fucking very, very, very top row. And if there was a door here and a door here, we'd sit right in the middle of it. And we'd go up there and fucking burn one. The start, you know, you'd be there at 11 o'clock. It's like, fuck, man, let's be stoned, you know, especially if we, you, you knew you're not fucking working. It's like, let's just get stoned and once fucking Mosh and Hogan get here with the beer we'll fucking start on that right that was a great thing about you know about, about Hogan man him and Mosh like, there was always fucking beer on ice in their room in their, yeah. in their locker room so well, so the long the long production days you're talking about for WCW um, these were for Nitros yeah had to be there at 11 you had to be there at 11 at fucking for uh, WWE for interviews 
Uh, just to fucking round your ass up and make you miserable. I was going to say, you don't go on until fucking eight. Well, you got to rewrite the show 37 times. Yeah, well, I, I guess. You know, so. doesn't work for me, brother. Yeah. Denmark. Let's go to Denmark for this I'd story. I'd rather now. go to the coastal cities, fucking Czechoslovakia. But. The coastal cities of Denmark. <laughs> how about that? All right, fine. There are libraries where you can borrow a person instead of a book and listen to their life story for 30 minutes. I'm not lying about this. The goal, the goal, I guess how they got the money in the grant or whatever. They're a very progressive country. I guess Denmark was to fight prejudice. So each person has a title like unemployed or refugee bipolar. And you check out the person. You know what Tom Betty said about the whole refugee thing, don't you? Well, you don't have to live like one. I yeah, know. Exactly. Okay. But um, maybe maybe Tom was the person behind the title, uh, Refugee, and he just exactly. said it to you. But yeah. for 30 minutes, you listen to their story, and you realize, I guess, how much you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Right? Who knows? But uh, but it's an innovative product. It's actually active. And there it is, the Human Library. Thank you, Steve. Um, we publish people as open books. My God, my life's an open book in Denmark. What would your title be? You could be I don't think I don't think refugee, not unemployed, bipolar, maybe, I suspect. You have a little bit of that going on. How about just prick? <laughs> douchebag. No, I'm not a douchebag, I'm a prick. A big We're a douchebag in the locker room in WWE. No, I wasn't. I was a prick. Brett said it. Has he, to didn't say I was, he didn't say I was a douchebag. The click. He specifically said Scott and Kevin. Um, no, yeah, that, was, so, that was Warrior. So, so like, he, like he said it too. Uh, what, would you, what would you be? What could you offer for 30 minutes? You certainly wouldn't want to talk about wrestling. But if you wanted to offer your services here. Uh, bipolar. Um, I'm a little OCD. Okay. I, I, yeah, I could fucking organize your closet by color, color schemes. Properly cut up your long boat yeah. toilet for disposal. Brain yeah, damaged. I, we're just so we're just so behind here. I just I wonder. I, first of all, in the United States, you know, it would be about a week before is there was a guy, story. Does that guy say deaf and blind? Uh, yes, that's got to be an interesting conversation. Deaf, deaf, blind. It's actually they've made it one word. Deaf, blind. He's not angry about his situation. He doesn't even get angry with cab drivers that refuse to pick him up. Yeah. How long in the United States, if this happened, how long before the first story of of somebody getting murdered, checked out of the library and murdered in Florida, probably uh, right, dumped somewhere, or vice versa? The someone checks out, you know sex offender and uh you know takes them home to get their story yeah. wouldn't work here it just no. wouldn't work all right uh you know what will work is uh is the stiff one of the week Oof. this week and uh this is one we we mentioned um a few weeks ago when we were talking about the curtain call but um but here here are the specifics this is jim Cornette on the curtain call 
and what you did to the business. Punishments for the 1996 curtain call incident, would his punishment to Triple H have been more severe? I, it seems like anything would have been more severe. Um, I can't help but think if Jim's mentor, Bill Watts, had been in charge, Triple H would have been fired on the spot. Also, would Jim have considered ending HBK's world title reign early because of his role in the incident? Um, well, for one thing, you couldn't do anything to Nash or to Hall because that was their last night. That was the whole reason for the thing. It was last night there. What I would have done was because he still had their WrestleMania payoffs. They wouldn't have got a goddamn dime. They wouldn't have got a fucking, fucking dime for any fucking pay-per-view money that they were owed after they did that that night. That's just right there. And that would have saved Vince a couple hundred thousand dollars. But he didn't do it. Um... Yeah, I would have fired Hemsley because he was a goddamn underneath fucking mid-card guy at best that wasn't necessarily really getting over at that fucking point like gangbusters. And why the fuck that he would think that he had the status in the community just because he hung around these guys and rode in the car with them and they liked to be in a, you know him being around because that way they could preserve their pecking order. Everybody had a little spot. Um no, I would have fired him. Fuck you. What the, what the fuck? There's a fucking hundred fucking wrestlers that would love to fucking be in Madison. A hundred, a thousand that would love to be in Madison Square Garden tonight. And you think that you're suddenly somehow enough of a special fucking motherfucker after you've been here a year or fucking 18 months that you can go out and expose the business in Madison Square Garden with your butthole fucking buddies on my goddamn dime? No, go home. You're fucking fired. Well, I guess, see, you know, Jim isn't, Jim, Jim's a brilliant guy. And, uh, I guess he just didn't have the uh, the foresight that the other three of us did that uh, Triple H would someday be running the WWE. Uh, secondly, um, Scott Hall did not work WrestleMania. He said, go fuck yourself. And Goldust had the O.J. simpson Roddy Piper match. I would have deposed Vince and... With Sean as my witness, have gotten along with Pat, who was in the room, gotten fucking convinced if if, it, if you guys want to do it, it means that much to you, Sean. It means that much. I didn't break any fucking rule. I did. I did what I was told to do in the ring as far as the finish. Uh, so no, you could not hold my fucking payback. And if it was Jim, I mean, if it wasn't Vince, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have been Jim. I mean, it's it's very easy to. You know, bark at the at the at the six ten fucking prick when you're not involved in it. But no, I, I went out and did I went out and did a fucking a, a, a clean job for Taker. I worked my ass off in that match. So, well, uh, uh, they brought up uh, Bill Watts, uh, uh, Jim's mentor. Fuck had Bill Watts. Had Bill Watts been there, you wouldn't have gotten away with that. So yeah, what was he going to do? Be a bully? Got his ass fucking beat. Florida man or Jersey guy. I'm going to give you two headlines. I'm not done with Cornet. Yes, you are. <laughs> we can come back to Jim. I'm no, sure Jim will make more no, appearances on here. I like Jim Cornet. I, I, I have I do to too. say, I, I like Jim. I just say, and they don't think, they, they, they always fucking, that's so fucking, that's probably 20 years ago that fucking clips from. You know, that's, that's the whole way. It's like everybody's, everybody's, like I, I, I've said on the, 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 the podcast, you know, I never agreed with Cornette when we were, and I, when I was working until I got to TNA, 
It was the end of my career. And if I can, we'd be in a room and these fucking guys who want to do the spot fest, me and Cornell would look at each other and go, I don't think we need that much shit right there. Jim would be like, no, I don't think we need that much shit there either. So. You're good. No, it's time. As time went, as time goes on, man, we, you know, like I said, me, me and Cornette could work together now. Very good. All right, two headlines. In, in one Den, in Denmark, in, in, in well, talk, just the coastal, the coastal you could, cities. You, you could talk. You could talk to us. We'd be one human. <laughs> um, Florida man, Jersey guy, going to give you two headlines. One hearse stolen from funeral home. By Jersey. owner's daughter. Jersey. <laughs> Jersey already. <laughs> or man takes 10-year-old son on paintball drive-by, child injured by return gunfire. Florida. <laughs> I got to make these harder, I guess. <laughs> Is it this obvious? That, no, wait. There's uh, no, not even a hearse in Florida. It's fucking a... Country white country squire fucking seventy seven pick uh fucking station wagon, fuck man, it's too fucking hot to bury fuckers down here. Yeah, uh, a Stratford, New Jersey funeral home. Uh, uh, Carrie Zale walked into the open garage at Zale's funeral home on the White Horse Pike Road around noon, took the keys to the uh, Cadillac hearse that uh, daddy owned for his company and uh, took a little joyride with it. That's cool, man. I mean, I'm like, you, who's going to be able to fucking do donuts with with that gimmick unless your your dad uh, has it in a garage somewhere? Are you old enough to remember when the ambulance came to your neighborhood that it was a fucking, it, it was a, like a station wagon? A station wagon. The the family truckster, Clark Griswold, yeah, rolls up with white, the ambulance. It's, you know, white. Ours was superior ambulance on the uh, on the south side of Detroit. No, they were vans when I was a kid. They were still the like a proper. No, they were fucking, they were. And I remember one, one of my, our friends down at the end of the street, their mom had a stroke. And, like, they worked on it for a while. And um, like so when she came out, you like, they didn't have her covered and shit. It was just, like, one of those. Post traumatic, like it was probably it's probably the first dead person I, I saw in my life because that's probably six. Mm. Uh, she died before my dad in Detroit. I would have thought you were stepping over them on the way to school. Yeah, yeah. shit, shit, shit went fucking awry in '67. Oh, the riots, the riots, and then yeah. again in '68 when '68, like I said, the day my. My father died was the day that King got shot, so mm. shit, went, shit went down again. Florida man Michael Williams took his son on a paintball gun drive-by, only for the 10-year-old to be shot and wounded by a man who thought the family was his family was in danger. ABC News reports that the 26-year-old father, fucking genius, was asked by his son to drive by a certain house with a paintball gun. When they reached the home, a number of pellets were fired. Homeowner Gregory Barnes believed the paintball shots were real gunfire. Police uh, stated he thought his family was under attack. The man um, attack. The man came out and fired shot at the car. What was it? So, so it, not only were they sophisticated enough to fucking do the drive by, but they had a silencer. <laughs> fucking paintball doesn't make any fucking noise. I hope that motherfucker did time. Yeah, I don't know what the what the char- I guess the show. Yeah, you could have had charges. I guess right. 
I don't think you walk around firing a paintball gun at anybody. Uh, although, you know what? We talked about this when you were up here. I heard in Japan when uh, when they, pursuits they, they, yeah. get too, uh, I, I, I too hot, talk, I, they hit I the talked car. To a with guy, I, I, was, I was at the uh, at, a, at a car dealership a uh, couple, like a week after that. And um, I, I was looking at to get my, uh, my, my Mustang painted. There was a Japanese dude in there that clearly was Japanese. And, uh, how, I mean, how I, I'm talk? just, I mean, I'm, I'm just talking about his, uh, English was very, you know, he was, you oh, know, please give us a little bit of that. No, I'm not going to, not the outcome. I'm, I'm not going to Asian bash because my best friend growing up was, was not Japanese. bash. I, it's nothing. Yeah, negative. yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, you could do Canadian for Pat. Just saying. Yeah. But that's Pat. If I, if I knew what this cat's name was, I'd say that I'd be able to do it. Throw I'll some say, silverware on the floor. This, this is name. my. This is one of my favorite fucking. I, I'm so gl- I'm so glad that you you brought me here. So we would go to Japan. Me and Scott would go to Japan, and we'd be putting a match together with, like, say, Muda and Chono. And uh, Scott would break into this, uh, where he'd go like, "Okay, right there." You uh, leg screw me, uh, and the right time maybe I'll bump all. Uh, I come back, or maybe you pull, pull, punch you. Like, he, and he would say it was like this, you know, Hogan's hero Japanese fucking. And I used to just sit there. Every one time, fucking Muda laid out like eighty three fucking things, and. Uh, I just, I just, I did like they do. I said, but you know what? I've been going over here long enough. I'm going to return a favor. So I just fucking like, yeah, 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 yeah. We get out there. He, he, if we, it's right to the leg screw spot. I'm thinking, I don't know what leg he's doing this on. If he grabs my fucking bad knee, I'm going to end up getting fucking hurt. So I just fucking cut him off. Grabbed him by his hair, went over and tagged Scott. He goes, what happened to the rest of them? I said, improvise. <laughs> I don't know. Fuck it. I cut him off. Get was Masachono cool that, that you All could those do guys, that? Yeah. Moody and Chono were great, man. Yeah. When they when they joined the NWO, fucking it was, oh, they, Chono's a cool motherfucker, man. And then, like, I, I've known Moody. Like, last time, I, I I never worked all Japan until I was, like, in my mid-50s. When I went over and I worked the spot, it was me and Muda against two young guys. And, uh... Like I see Muda's, I mean, I have, I remember holding Muda's like son when he was just like probably six months old, and uh, in walks this kid that's like six five, and Muda says, "That's you know, that's my, my you know." And it was really cool because Muda kind of we, we we had another appearance. I mean, Muda and I had to do like the next day, and uh, they showed my Monster Brawl movie, that you know that fucking just god awful movie, but you know. Showed it where? I showed it in Japan, and I like, oh. I, I did like a question, a Q and A. Oh, and uh, it was great because Muda had a fucking like a tricked out like real a brand new Mercedes, but it was all in Japanese, and that it was like so like when he put like the like it was just chill because you know you just I, I, I've never been in a Japanese Mercedes before, so I'm just like oh fuck that's this is cool like everything's in in japanese which it so should be if there was voice commands it would speak yes. in japanese and like that, when it was okay. doing the uh the uh gps and all that shit right yeah 
Buddha's made a little coin in his life, brother. Mm. When you were getting your card done, when you were talking to the dude um, who was clearly Japanese, somehow you, you were able to figure maybe something visual. I don't know. But I asked um, him about I asked him about the paintball thing, and he just looked at me like I have no fucking idea what you're saying. <laughs> That's how I knew he was probably from Japan. <laughs> But it is true. They hit the cars with paintballs in the middle not, of the pursuit. Not according to him. Well, not the ones he stole. <laughs> but when you were th- when you were at the uh, when you were having your Mustang painted, did you uh, did you talk about Car Shield at all? Oh, you know what? I I could because it's still even though it's a it's an 05, It's underneath the mileage. Absolutely. Listen, they make it affordable to protect your car from expensive repairs. They are the number one auto protection company in the U.S., and they offer protection plans for about 100 bucks a month. Okay, The plan is going to cover more parts than ever before, whether your car has 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles. Where are you with the Mustang, Kev? Can we can we make a call now maybe to, to car show? 122. You're good. You are good. Let me tell you how simple it would be. Uh, when you need a repair on the Mustang, you would choose the mechanic. Car Shields administrators would handle the rest. You don't have to deal with them, call them, paperwork, headaches, nothing you're taking care of because you're covered by Car Shield. Same goes if your car breaks down, you're stuck on the side of the road. Plans through Car Shield also include coast to coast roadside assistance. Their administrators are there for you with rental car options, trip reimbursement, and that's at no extra cost for all that. Okay. Get your coverage today. Okay. Lock in the price now. It'll never go up. You've had your damn Mustang for how long? 17 years. Right. You lock it in, it never goes up. That means as long as you own the car, no matter how old it is, you're protected from the rising costs of parts and repairs for the vehicle. CarShield helps protect your wallet from expensive car repairs. Go to carshield.com slash podcast and start your plan. Lock in your pricing now forever. That's carshield.com slash podcast. A deductible may apply. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little bit about adfreeshows.com. People often ask me, what exactly is adfree shows all about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Not only do you get early ad-free access to all of my podcasts starting at just $9, but you also get many of your other favorite wrestling podcasts like Click This with Kevin Nash, Gentleman Villain with William Regal, Oh, You Didn't Know with Brian James, and others. But yeah, still just $9 a month. That's 14 podcasts in total every single week, early with no ads. That's like 20 cents an episode. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple Podcasts or through your regular podcast apps. How easy is that? Want some more cheese on that Whopper? AdFreeShows.com has literally tens of thousands of hours worth of bonus content, including fantastically popular series like Eric Fox Back, Idle Chase, and Strictly Business. And I don't know why this is a thing, but there's even more than 40 Ask Conrad episodes waiting for you at AdFreeShows.com. We've got monthly Zoom chats with all the podcast hosts, live watch-alongs with wrestling legends, and more. Come on now. See for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans have already discovered. That's adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling today. Check it out right now, adfreeshows.com. You'd be glad you did. The Christmas countdown's on at JCPenney. Through Saturday, use your coupon and dash away with very merry savings on last-minute gifts across the store. Like fine jewelry stocking stuffers up to 70% off after coupon. And save up to 50% on comfy, stylish outerwear for the whole fam. Add curbside pickup to make your trip extra quick. We got your holiday. JCPenney. Offers good on select items through 1224. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. 
All right, I'm taped up and I am ready for the bunkhouse stampede finally. And I, I, fans have been so patient and uh, ready to roll. Uh, got my man Kev here representing today, by the way, the Detroit shirt. I wanted to yes. shout you out for that. I know you mentioned that before. Did you, you went, you went away to school. You, did you go back to Detroit when you were out? Yeah. You did. Not in the summers. A lot of summers I stayed in Knoxville. So you go to, um, so you play, you're playing basketball in Tennessee. You're going to school. Was your family athletic? Like, my sister was, uh, my sister was a, uh, scholarship athlete. Okay. There you go. You had a brother too? Yes. So, um, so you're there, you're in, you're in Tennessee, you're playing ball, you're coming back summers. You said, oh no, some summers you said you would stay down there, right? I, I never came back to Detroit and worked. I always stayed down in Knox because they always could get you a better job doing dick for three times the pay because some alumni would pay you. Ah, uh, right. So like you were, um, what do I have here? Chicken processing plant? Do I yeah. fucking have that correctly? Yeah, I worked at Harrison Chicken Processing Plant. And um, the chickens would come in live. They'd fucking hook their feet to this assembly line thing. Like one guy's job was to take their heads and stick it in a gimmick like this, and it pulled them along. And then it was a fucking buzz saw that took their fucking heads off. How and, efficient! And-, and they went to a room, and this fucking hot steam would hit them, and their fucking feathers would fall off. And then they would go to a room where the girls would cut it in fryer parts, and then. They'd go to a room where they were put on the racks, and then they were sent to me, and there was, like, these two huge, like, fucking, you would, uh, like, the bank vault and John Wick one <laughs> with the broads in it. Like, it was that big, and I'd, I'd put all these, I'd roll these uh, giant trays of chicken, and I'd set the, like, fucking Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, sea view wheel on each of them. Then Brett would press the timer. They'd cook for 43 minutes. I'd go sit on a fucking picnic table. And then when they get, went off, I'd have to pull them out and take them to this next room. And it just, I only worked, you know, basically 17 minutes out of every hour. But that, I mean, you as soon as those things opened, that was like, it was like 170 degrees. Like you'd have to wait a minute for it. But it, it was so fucking hot. It was summertime. I mean, it was a nasty fucking job. What did it smell like in that joint? I, I, I mean, fucking to me, it smelled like fucking, you know, dead chicken and B.O. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> it was the literal, those were the literal two aromas that you were dealing with there. Yeah. So how do you land that? You're in Tennessee at the time, right? You're, yeah. you're at school. Well, I, mean, I mean, I'm making like fucking like 14 bucks an hour doing this. Back then. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And there's a lot of times, fucking, I just don't even show up. Is that and a like, hookup through the school? Yeah. Like, my girlfriend, was, she was a, uh, she worked in Belmede, uh, and she was a lifeguard in Nashville. And uh, I'd go I'd go see her, so I'd take off Friday, go, go see her Friday. Well, I'd be, after Thursday after work, I'd go see her Friday, Saturday, and drive back Sunday night. And, uh. What else did you do in college? Um, work construction. How'd you have time? I mean, you, you're, you're playing, you're practicing, yet you have a full road schedule. Yeah, but it's summertime. There's no school. Oh, you're just talking about summer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. These are just summer jobs. 
So you said you got thrown out of college. What does that mean? Uh, I uh, smacked my coach. I was going to say, was that for the coach? Yeah, and it just and because he put his hands on me first, they they couldn't like get rid of me right then because I I had already lawyered up. And they were like, "Fuck!" So I got in some more trouble during the spring semester, and then finally at the end, it was like, "Do tell." I was well, I was walking across a quad, and I was smoking a joint. It was that quad again? Yeah. I blew my quad, and uh, actually, I was inhaling my quad, and uh, some some lady walked up to me. Young, I mean, student walked up to me, and she goes, "Hey, smoking." Said, "I said, I said, I said, you ever seen a joint before?" And I fucking blew smoke on her. She says, "I'm so and so. I'm with the student disciplinary corps, so I had to go see Dean Burchett, charge of disciplinary. I had a hearing, and I was put on probation." Dean Burchett, played by Jesse Ventura in the film of your life, clearly <laughs> yeah, right. right here. Yeah. Or maybe Bill Watts. I don't know. Nash, you can't smoke pot on campus. I have 1,000 dogs. That wouldn't be consistent. Jesse's probably smoked more pot than anybody in the locker room. Um, you, you've had an interesting work life before wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And a full one. Because you started, well, when did you get in the so, ring first? So here's, here's, here's the thing. I was talking to my son about this today. Um, nobody has my fucking story right. This will be the first time my story has ever been told correctly. Will be tonight. <laughs> okay. Everybody, this is how everybody has it. I fucking got thrown out of school. I went and played pro ball, blew my knee out, and then went to the military. Okay. That ain't possible. What is you ain't you ain't fucking tearing fucking your ACL, PCL, and MCL with a bucket handle meniscus tear and fucking going to basic training anytime soon. So why? So they're reporting that that after you were laid up, you enlisted. That's the report, and it was on. And I just it would always be like brought up on shows and shit, and I was just like, you know what? I'm, I don't give a fuck. You know, I'm not going to go back, but down that's my show. It's like, I get to tell my fucking story right. finally. So what happened was, uh, me and a guy named Alan Ashlock had this little business and we called it something. We had business cards and everything. We were the macho maids. We'd fucking move furniture. We'd fucking paint. He was like six, five, played football. And we could go in, we could go in like a fucking, an eight foot ceiling, uh, three bedroom fucking little cracker box, fucking shithole, you know. I mean, three-room, not three-bedroom, but three-room uh, apartment. And we could rifle through that motherfucker in a couple hours mm. with ro with rollers. And, uh, you know, he'd, he'd cut and I'd fucking do the the, the work. And, um, but we moved furniture and shit. So we got stoned. This seems to be fucking. <laughs> I see a theme. Yeah. Uh, I know what your library book is going to be called if anyone wants to rent you. Exactly. But we got stoned and we went and saw Stripes and laughed my ass off. And we were in the car and I said, Madison, we should go fucking join the army. Because <laughs> I'm kicked out of school, right? I'm like, I'm like, we should go join the army. So we go to the fucking the ROTC, the, the, you know, the recruiting place and fucking, you know, sign the paperwork. 
on the heels of stripes. So you have stripes to thank. The United States Army has stripes to thank. So what we got here? Like a three-year program was perfect for me. I'll come unleave me fucking machine. So now it's time. So I go home. I'm going to go home to Detroit and fucking hang out because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've just signed my life where I'm going to be, I, no matter what, I know that I'm going to be fucking, you know, my socialization process is is is, is going to co- completely change. I'm no longer going to be a, a free spirit, man. I'm going to be, I'm going to be in the fucking, in the grasp. Yeah. And uh, so, of course, I show up at my AFES in Detroit and you know, I do my tests and everything else. And I, I, now I, while I'm there, I have to get a waiver because, uh, I'm so fucking tall. You can't, like, you can't be over six, six. So right. I got to get a waiver. So, that, so yeah. yeah. So a colonel, a colonel gave me a waiver and, uh, but this motherfucker that Alan, he, 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 he bitches out. He doesn't, oh, he doesn't join. In. No, he didn't go in. Oh. I thought it was buddy system. He's like, ah, I'm not going in. I was like, ah, fuck you. So. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, interesting. So I, I went in the army and, um, you know, it was, I was a good try. It was a good fucking troop. It was, it's not real fucking hard. It's like, make sure your boots are fucking like, look like a mirror. Make sure your fucking locker is fucking tight. Don't get fucking the bullshit brasso. Get real brass so you have to clean. Like, all they want you to do is like, guys were getting like these fucking Richard Gear fucking haircuts. It's like, no, man, your drill sergeant wants you to get your shit fucking just high and tight. You know, they want you to shave your fucking head, shave all facial hair. And you just got, you got to learn, like, it's, it, it, you've got to be able to adapt. You know, it's just like the strong don't survive as the adapt, the, the adaptable fucking species survives. Mm. So you just have to adapt. And it was just like, fucking, I was, I, I, I dug it, man. I fucking, I, I'd sing cadence. They say, they say, Specialist Nash, you come out here. And they like, oh, 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 you're in the army now. What is it for? And I did all that shit, and I was like, I was rocking and rolling, man. Where were you stationed? I was, I was still, well, I, I was, and Aniston was basic training, and they had uh, one, uh, OST back then, so uh, I was an MP, so I went to MP school in Aniston also. And then I, uh, I got shipped to, uh, to Gießen, Germany, to, uh, to, to 202 MP company, which was um, physical security. So we were uh, we guarded items vital to national security, which now that it's a defunct uh, NATO site, it's uh, mm. items that make fucking mushroom clouds. Mm. You had to wear the little gimmick, right, to monitor the uh, yes. radiation. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 So now you're in Germany. Is that the connection to basketball? You just happen yeah, so, to be. So I, okay. I'm, wa- I'm walking across uh, uh, by the uh, the PX and the fucking you know, when the colonel's the colonel's car has like a fucking you know like the colonel's insignia on the on the front of the car. And I mean, I'm not talking about the bumper. I'm talking about on the fucking hood of the car. On the hood, yeah, yeah. So when you see it, you fucking stop, you know, and you fucking salute. So the fucking car goes by, we fucking salute. Fucking car stops and fucking backs up. Window goes down. Fucking goes. He goes, soldier. Or he says, that is you too. And uh, he said, uh, you play ball? I said, uh, yes, sir. I said, you, 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 where'd you play at? I said, University of Tennessee. He goes, Knoxville? I said, there he goes, who you with? 
That's a 202MP. He said, well, he said, uh, what are you doing today? I said, well, we work 24 out, 48 off. I said, I'm off today and tomorrow. He goes, he goes good, be at Miller Hall at 4 o'clock. There's basketball practice. I said, I don't have any shoes. He said, what size are you? I said, 15s. He goes, there'll be shoes there for you. So I went down. I was out of shape as fuck. You know, it, it wasn't in ball shape. But it took me, you know, a couple of weeks. And, you know, and on top of that, I really pushed. Like they have what they call a road guard. So when you're running PT, you have to go and you have to, if, you, if, you're, if you're running as, as a, in, a, in a formation as a company, like you have to run up to the fucking, uh, the next, uh, like cross, crossing up a street and you got the fucking, like the thing where they bring the fucking planes in, but you got one of them. So you do, you fucking run it in place and the whole fucking, whole company runs by you and then you got a fucking sprint. To the fucking top, to the front, you know, up by to the pass way. everybody to, to get pass ahead everybody again. to get for the next fucking uh. next. So you so you so you do you, you volunteer for that, which means you're fucking you're busting your ass instead of that fucking little monkey trot. You're busting your ass, and I, I got my I just got myself in shape, and uh, I started to lift it again, and uh, next you know. I was playing fucking, basically playing ball. You know, I was playing a lot like, during the season. I was playing ball, and then uh, I was a, a leading scorer in, in fifth core. And um, we played some, you know, we played t- you know, some of the teams around the area that were the pro teams. And um, I always played well against them. And, they, you know, I started like, like when I had to, maybe six months left. Um, I started playing for a team in Croftdorf, and uh, I, you know, I was getting paid. You know, I was getting paid military, and I was getting paid under the table. So you can work uh, uh, pro- professionally as an athlete well, while I, you're no, still. You're not supposed to. I was, oh. getting, I was getting paid under the table, but they. Ah, okay. But I had the perfect schedule. So because we and we and we always it was like two, two on one off, but like every third rotation you'd be off. You know, like you you wouldn't work that shift on, so you'd have two off, missed that shift, two off, and then go back. So you'd have five days. So a lot of times they would. And it was funny how that the colonel made sure that you know, as long as I was playing for his team, my my other shit fucking all, all fell into place. It too, all kind so. of worked out for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then I, we were playing. Uh, I I, I de roast. I got out and uh, went to Frankfurt and got a. I had to sit in, in the Frankfurt uh, embassy and get my passport. And then uh, when I got out, um, I took the train back to Gießen and uh, went. To, they took me around and they, they, they made me basically like, they gave me a, a, a place to stay, an apartment, it was, which was sweet. It was like, you know, it had an elevator. It was on like the ninth floor. It had a big balcony. And, uh, I got a car, and they pay you know they, they they pay me a decent salary, and um, but they made me go around and like start my electricity and all that shit, just so I could you know get accustomed to start speaking German. Mm. So, uh, how many Americans are on the teams in that league? Is it is it? Oh, you back, were the only American back then. It was one, yeah. Wow. But we had a, we had another American guy that had. If you married a German national. Then you were you you could you could be a you know you were like a dual 
So we had we actually we, had, we, had, we actually had a guy from Spain also on our team, six seven guy that was Buckfish, really good player. See, I th- I thought, and maybe this was just later on, like in the nineties, when I would hear guys get drafted to go play ball in Europe. I thought it was a fairly common thing that there were a lot of Americans. Yeah, there'd be two or three on a team back then. Oh, that, okay. See, that's that's not as many yeah. as I thought. Yeah. What about the crowds? What kind of crowds was it drawing? I mean, it just depended. Like, like we were kind of a shit team. Okay. So, uh, like, but as the, as the, as my first season uh, went went on, we became you know a lot better. And uh, so uh, I keep getting things where they, they keep saying that they can't hear me. So I need to probably oh. get c- close to the mic. Lean in. Yeah, they say, I, I can hear Sean fine, but Nash I can never fucking hear. Uh. So, but um, yeah, so we uh, we made the European Cup my first year. We got knocked out, and then I made the European Cup my second year. And... Like an asshole, we were playing a team I knew we were going to beat because we had beaten them in the regular season. And um, I said, fuck it, man. It's, it's leg day. I'm going to fucking do legs. And I squatted. And nothing. I mean, I was like 405 for 12 was my heavy set. But I used to squat like high bar with my, with my fucking feet together. And um, so I, w- I went up. Ball came off the, the, the back of the room. I went up with my right hand and dunked it. And I saw a guy coming, so I reached up with my left hand and grabbed the rim, and I kind of swung. And as I was coming back, I, I just I kept my hand. I let go. When I did, there was a guy standing underneath me, and my foot—if if you imagine this being somebody's knee—my foot hit here, and then my leg went this way. So, so when your I look, foot lands so, on his knee. So yeah. So when I look when I look at my when I look down at my leg, my leg's like this. Going off to the side. Like off to the fucking enemy side. At the knee. Yeah. And this fucking guy comes out like a fucking, I've got a foul tip and he's spraying that fucking free shit on me. <laughs> and I'm watching my knee fucking get the size of a, a cantaloupe in about 30 seconds. Yeah. And I'm looking at him and all of a sudden it's just like every, because now I'm in shock. Every, I, I could speak pretty good German. I could understand a lot more. Uh, Sprechen not so good, but Verstein, yeah, I can I can understand some fucking German, and uh, it sounded like Charlie Brown's fucking parents. I mean, uh, next thing you know, I'm in the hospital, and they fucking stick a needle in the side of my leg, like a twenty or probably an eight, eighteen gauge, and they had a syringe that was probably thirty or forty cc's, and they just pulled just purple blood. Off that motherfucker. And I've already straightened my leg and put it in an air splint on, on the way, you know, in the ambulance. Mm. And uh, basically the only thing holding my knee together was my skin. Before and, the uh, injury, though, were you getting some, like, NBA attention or uh, any opportunities I, to play back in the States? Or you would have I mean, been content? I was, I, I was probably definitely going to get to go to somebody's camp. You know, I'd get a free agent tryout. Mm-hmm. You know? Because that was kind of like, I was perfect for that era because that was kind of the bangers where every team had like a fucking, you know, some some brute that fucking was basically <laughs> there to fucking fight. So I was kind of perfect for that. So I like, you know, but most of the guys like like, like in that era, like, like Jeff Rulin was my age. And Jeff Rulin was a, he played at Iona. He was a, I mean, he was a baller too. And he could fucking shoot. He could, you know, he was just a hell of a ball, a ball player. And, uh. 
Now, it doesn't end there for you, though, with basketball, because you do rehab the leg. I mean, it, it doesn't work out, but it's yeah. you're not done uh, with that injury. You do get come back. Well, I mean, I come back, but I don't come back to where I play. I never come back to where I play. Oh, I thought you were on the court again. Okay, no. No, no. So so from there, they've, you know, and it's just like, I go down to Munich, some guy fucking, they open. This is back when they opened you up. Like, when it was something severe, they didn't do this, none of this fucking scope shit. So I've been opened up twice at this point. So, um, and they're putting me, they're putting me in a cast, which is the worst thing you can do is all, cause, you know, all you do is atrophy. Atrophy the whole leg. Yeah. Right? So my yeah. fucking, yeah, my, my leg looks like, uh, uh my, like my forearm. So, um, this is when I go see Dr. Taiji in Detroit, who had put together Billy Sims. After uh, Sims got destroyed, Sims didn't make it back to the Lions, but it was close enough. And I was thinking at this point, I just wanted to be functional. So I had a couple, I, he did an osteotomy, which was kind of cutting edge, but I think he over, uh, I think it was an over, uh, adjustment because I ended up having a, a really bad in, in, internal valgus in my knee. And, uh, but, uh, while I was doing this, I went ahead and got a job uh, on the assembly line. Like once I got to where I could fucking get, get you know, move around on it, and I was doing leg presses and shit. And um, they'd already done the the ACL and PCL. They already fixed both of those MCL. So I just had the strength in the leg, but it was just you know. But I, so I worked the assembly line, and then uh, back in Detroit. A, yeah, in Detroit. Okay. Excuse me. So. Um, was that loud? Is that Ford? Ford? It was American Sunroof Corporation, but we were doing, uh, we were putting the uh, sunroofs on Jeep Graven Wagoneers and the Lincoln Town Cars. So I was, uh, I was working on a town car line. So I was putting, uh, I was cutting the holes uh, and, and doing this and doing the uh, spot welding. So you, you get your UAW card? We were actually, for some reason, we were uh, we were teamsters. And really, and you weren't yeah, driving. We, no, we were teamsters. Okay, it was a teamster shop. Yeah. So, uh, so I did that, and then I started. A buddy of mine said, "Hey, uh, there's a, a place uh, uh, on Wednesday nights called Nello's." It's a rock and roll club, and they, they're having a, like a, a lot of fights and shit. They would, they're looking for somebody to work. Wednesday nights, it pays 150 cash. So I'm like, fuck, I'll do that. So I'm going, I'm leaving work on Tuesday and basically going back to work on Wednesday. I'm I'm working, no, Wednesday night. I leave work Wednesday, go to to Nello's, and then come back Thursday. Thursday morning. In the same fucking (laughs) clothes. (laughs) Yeah, like, fuck it. And, um, and then I fucking get a job at BT's on Michigan Avenue, which is a, it was a, is the fucking strip joint of, of Detroit at the time. Oh, oh. So Let me now, stop you before we get too far. I want to ask you, did you ever want to continue something in basketball coaching or, uh, doing, doing something in, in, um, train as a trainer you know, or like, something? I'm one, of, I'm one of those people that if I can't, you know, like, like I'm not going to play golf if I can't really be good at it. And I knew right. I'd never fucking, yeah. You need the number one podcast in well, order that, to do a podcast. 
I mean, but if we weren't successful, I wouldn't fucking, I don't think I'd want to, you know. Yeah. If I had a one-inch <laughs> dick, I'm sure I fucking wouldn't be, you know. Hey, let me get some of that. <laughs> so. So, okay, so you, you, you're you at BT's. Yeah, I'm at BT's, and I'm working Friday and Saturday there. And I'm making more bouncing than I am fucking working on the assembly line. For, you know, you're, whatever the fuck I was, 26, 27 years old, whatever I was. Cash, I was 26, too, right? Cash. And, you know, any guy that's worked at a fucking high, high-end uh, gentleman's club, Motherfucker, you ain't late for work. <laughs> I promise you, you ain't late for work. What are you doing here? You're off today. I am? I mean, it's just like. How many guys? But it, it was a big club, you said, right? It was like the premier club. So I mean, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. I mean, it wasn't huge, but the, I mean, the talent was fucking outstanding. How many guys are on duty? How many bouncers would you need at the uh, at the club to keep we law and order? I think we had three. Mm -hmm. Would it get out of hand? Every once in a while. I mean, somebody gets handsy or fucking, you know, there's always a, you know, it's usually big fucking bachelor parties are fucking horrible. Mm. You got to, you, you learn early in life, man, to cut those motherfuckers off as, as, as soon as possible. You could usually, I would imagine, being six, 10 or whatever the fuck you are, you could usually, avoid a confrontation just by your presence uh, uh, appearing before somebody who's maybe getting a little out of hand, you know, Unless right? You're fucking six, six, yeah. <laughs> you know, 300. Yeah. You know? How like often this, did they get it, physical? It, it, often? It, it ain't like fucking Detroit's full of a bunch of fucking pussies. <laughs> Everybody fucking thinks they can go. Right. Especially. Yeah. But the thing is, you know, if, if you're, if you're decent with your hands, and I got to fucking, like, I'll, I use my feet. Like, I, I'm not I'm not afraid to fucking just front kick you and cave your fucking, your knee and backwards. <laughs> fucking hit you with a mag light on the way down. Like, I, I didn't have a problem with that back then. And it wasn't like you got sued. You fucking picked them up by the back of their fucking pants and the back of their collar and threw them out in the fucking street and waited for the fucking cops to come get them. And then I'm pressing charges. <laughs> you, um... Were you able to date any of the women, or was this? Uh, well, I mean, you got to know how to play that game. I mean, if you if you start, that's one of the places where you don't shit where you eat, man. Because your life is 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 all about the tip out. And if they find out that you got you got somebody in there that you're romancing, that fucking tip out's going to go to nothing. So is that true? Yeah, yeah absolutely. What, when you say the tip out, explain the tip out meaning that the, the girls. girls tip out, I mean, pool. everything, everything, the DJ gets tipped out, the bouncers get tipped out. You also get shift pay. Oh, my shirt's fucking crooked here. Fix this thing. Um, but, um, you get shift pay, which like maybe it might be 75 bucks on a, on a check. And then everything else is cash. A place like that, like on a Friday, Saturday night, when you, you know, we might get $1,300 tip out Holy between shit. three guys. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is eighties money, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is fucking, you know. Mid eighties. Yeah. Tur Turbo Cougar. <laughs> Turbo Cougar? Is that is that a vehicle? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, so, okay. So there you are. You're, you're working the, you work in BTs. What's your competition in town? What's the other club? I mean, really, back at the time, it was the booby trap, which they owned. Oh, so that's yeah. why it was BTs. This was this the booby trap was up on wow. Eight Mile. Yeah, the booby trap was up on Eight Mile, so it, that was the fucking. But they still had talent, but it was rough. There was a, some other places like Subies and uh, King Henry the Eights. Uh, I don't know when. I don't know when the landing strip opened up. Out by uh, out by the airport, but I think that was I, I don't remember that. And then later on, uh, BT's owner, uh, I think his name was Paul. Fuck, I'm sorry, man, I, I can't remember. I'm, I'm old, but um, it was funny that uh, Paul got got married and got divorced and bought the house next to his wife's and put a big giant like twelve foot middle finger pointed at her house. When you have that booby trap money, you can build yes, such silly can. things, can't yes, you? you? Can. Yeah. The booby trap. Then I was, so, the so landing for, strip. Yeah, that's, the, that's, that's a mm. good one. The names of these are, are tremendous. There's one yeah. by me when I was growing up: the Naval Base and Avel. I always thought a missed opportunity uh, with a uh, with one of those places was come on back. I never. Yeah. Saw, I, that's what I would have named mine. I think. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so there you are. You're bouncing. Uh, are you a wrestling fan? Um, we. I mean, that's I. I like. I, we, so uh, Hulk when he came to Joe Lewis, that was a Hogan mark. Any of the boys end up in BTS? No. Nah. Huh. David Brenner one night. <laughs> that motherfucker, man. He had <laughs> he had a nose, and boy, he could fucking pack that bitch. I tell you that. Oh, with with substance, yeah. Oof. Did he tell you you had great comedic timing? Oh, that was fact, later. I, matter of fact, I think he did. He did. <laughs> so, um, you you, this is not a skanky club. This is one of the no, the, just, the nicer yeah, ones. It's just tux. Where did tux? Okay. Now, how do you get to Atlanta? I'm going to cover all your jobs before wrestling. Let's well, cover well, it all. I, I, I'll just give you the short version. A couple of guys come in that we call the, the 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 Baptist Mafia. They offer me a job to come down to Atlanta to just kind of be muscle. I take the job. Muscle uh, for what? A gambling operation? Uh, bookmaking, uh, maybe? Racketeering. Okay. Good so um, much to the chagrin of me, um, when our office gets hit by the FBI, they actually do have the blue fucking blazers with the yellow FBI on it. And the flashbangs go off, and I look up, and there's a black dude with a fucking sh- shotgun pointed right at my head. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck. And I got an unregistered in my front, in my top desk drawer, I got an unregistered fucking 911 45 caliber pistol and three clips. And like a fucking big bag of fucking like droids. I'm like, this is in Atlanta. Yeah. So, um, how long before you're working for these guys does this happen? Maybe. F- so I get to Atlanta <laughs> and I'm working at this place called the Muscle Factory on Johnson Ferry Road. That's where I'm working out at. I'm like the new guy in town. Everybody knows this big fucking guy's from Detroit. 
So, and there's a lot of like drug wars going on with different dealers and shit. That's like the cocaine fucking wars in Atlanta. And everybody's trying to like recruit me to, to be, you know, one of their, one of their boys. I mean, there's fucking murders that go down and all kind of shit. I mean, it was like fucking, it was crazy. It was like a, a soap opera. Even one of the guys was Kevin Pappas. I think he ended up writing a book and I think that he almost got, uh, like it almost got, uh, picked up for a fucking film. Pappas was one of the fucking big dealers. Greek? What, were the Greeks running things down there? Pappas. Yeah. Yeah. That's Greek. Yeah. Greek drug dealer. All right. Go ahead. And then, like, the, so I, I ended up getting arrested. And, uh, you know, like any, anything in life, you just, if you keep your mouth shut, everybody will roll. And I fucking, you know, I, I walked out of, uh, out of jail, um, uh, 93 days later. And, uh, there was a guy named Peter Both that had, uh, been involved in giving me a summons one other time to court during this ordeal. And, he was, they basically, a guy came in there, a guy came in and his name was Doyle Alexander. And he, uh, basically set this up and he, um, I, I walked out and, uh, Peter Both was there and he, they, he, they said they had a job as a cheater for me. So I walked in. Uh, so I said, is Jeff here? He said, that he's up, up, up by the stage. I walked in, saw that guy named Jeff, talked to Arthur. They said, when can you start? And I said, well, when do you need me? They said, how about tomorrow? I went and fucking got a tuxedo, brought it back to the house mother, had her fucking size it and, and hem it up for me. Went to Ugly Duckling and got a fucking rental car. And uh, went through a, a, my Rolodex. Because you had one back then, right? And uh, found somebody that I could uh, shack up with until I got on my feet. You do ninety three days in jail, yeah. And they give you the job when you come out because you kept your mouth shut. So it was like they were they no, were taking just, care of I, you because I wasn't a fucking asshole. I mean, I, I, I just I, I didn't know. I mean, I was just muscle. I just hung out with these guys, man. It was just it wasn't like I was fucking, you know, part of the fucking uh, the master fucking mind or anything. Okay. Wrong so place, wrong cheetah? time. The Cheetah Club. Yep. So I go to the Cheetah, and um, I start working there. And before you know it, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty high up. Like when when the time came for uh, them to get it, uh, the manager was uh, got uh, leukemia. Yeah, it wasn't gonna. It didn't look like he was gonna make it. They were looking, you know, for a replacement, and I was, you know, I was brought in and talked to and. They kind of, you know, told me what he was, you know, what, what his salary was. I'm thinking, fuck that, man. I ain't taking a pay cut because I was fucking making bank. Because I had a, at the time I had a, 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 I was working on day shift and I was, I was, I was getting 75 bucks shift pay. A lot of times I would manage day shift and then I had built up on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, having about 50, 55 girls, sometimes 60 on Friday and Saturday. And basically, the minimum tip out was five. Mm. Yeah, so I was making, you know, and I was working six days a week. I was working a hundred out, and then I was I would I, on Saturday nights. I would I would I would work the day shift, 
Then I go to a place called The Avenue, which was kind of like the fucking roadhouse place. It was like a happening club, but there's fucking fights in there every fucking night. And uh, Bagwell was always fucking causing trouble in there when he was just fucking, you know, just a street kid, you know. Who? Bagwell. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, Bagwell was always, yeah, he was always just causing trouble. Some smacked some dude right in front of me and poured a drink on some girl. I'm like, Mark, come on, man. <laughs> Go home. So. Why'd you ever leave that job? <laughs> that kind of money? Because fucking Barry Windham came in there, and I fucking uh, knew him. And Barry said, hey, man, you should get in the business. Big as, big as fuck. You got a good look. And I was just like, I see. Yeah, what do you make? He said, fuck, I make the TV. He's a minimum 250. And I'm like, that's serious money. Hmm. So. And that was it. That and was then it. wrestling began. Now, of those twenty-five, of those fifty-five to sixty dancers that would be working Friday and Saturday, how many did you smash? A quarter? No, fuck no. No. Be hanging out, closing time, yeah, walking nope. to their car. No, nope, nothing. No, man. If you, I mean, it's it's just. Like I said, man, NAS is never going to be a problem if you got game. I mean, I mean, if you can fight, if you're a, a, an expert fisherman, are you really going to go to a fucking loaded trout pond and fucking throw your fucking, no, man, you want to be at the end of the fucking boat trying to catch a tarpon while you're stowing. <laughs> The Christmas countdown's on at JCPenney. Through Saturday, use your coupon and dash away with very merry savings on last-minute gifts across the store. Like fine jewelry stocking stuffers up to 70% off after coupon. And save up to 50% on comfy, stylish outerwear for the whole fam. Add curbside pickup to make your trip extra quick. We got your holiday. JCPenney. Offers good on select items through 1224. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. If you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, SaveWithConrad.com. All right, back with Click This, Kevin Nash Podcast. Uh, hashtag... Ask Nash every week, every week. We want to know what is on your mind. We take the nice stuff. We take the challenging questions. We take it all. Motley Click says, after the brief chat on Make-A-Wish, I want to ask, what other charities does Nash support? I will give $250 to one of his choice. Wow, okay. So this is important now. Who is Motley Click going to donate two fifty in your name to? American, either American Heart Association. Uh, I do buy Cancer Association because my mom and St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Very good. All right, take your pick there, Motley Click. Those are three very, very. But with lines. those cute little kids, I might go Shriners. Shriners Hospital. Yep. That's my son's favorite. NWO for life. I could never understand the fascination of punk. Typical phony tough guy. Couldn't punch his way out of a wet paper bag. I would have loved to see the big man booked to beat the shit out of him at a pay-per-view. Why didn't at the pay-per-view? Why didn't the match happen? Yeah, you want to hear? I swear to you. So I, 
I thought I was one and done. They asked me to come out, stick him, and be, and be gone. So the next show, they fucking, uh, I, this is when he does the uh, laugh out loud. Uh, my sister just texted me, laugh out loud. You know, I thought he was dead. I have no verbiage. I'm told not to say anything. Mm. So as soon as he says that, I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, I cost you the world title. And you cut out, come down, and fucking, you come through the fucking, the curtain, but you stand fucking 250 feet away from me? Like, you don't come down and attack me. Right. You, what, you verbally attack me? I just cost you the fucking world title. And I'm thinking of going to myself, like, and if I, if me and Paul didn't have the relationship that we had, and I know that Paul was, was instrumental in bringing me back, and it's always nice to fucking, I don't care who you are, what you're doing, it's always nice to put the pen stripes on. It's always nice to be a Yankee. Hmm. So I say to myself, don't do it, because I'm thinking to myself, like, what do I say? You know what? I'm scripted not to say anything, but you know what? I really don't care. I mean, I really don't care. and start walking out of the ring because you know what? If it was me, see, I would have came down here because you cost me the world title, but obviously you're a bitch. I said, so if this was real life, I'd be trading your ass for cigarettes in prison. And then just walk up there and say, when I get up here, I said, I'm going to smack you in the face as hard as I can. <laughs> so if you know that, I mean, and granted, I mean, my old ass is going to take some time, clickety-click, clickety-click, you know, the old fucking knees and everything else. But when I get up there, I'm going to smack you in the fucking, so either you fucking apologize to Mr. Nash or I'm going to smack you in the fucking mouth or we can go. But I don't think any of the fucking other, the first two or, or the last two are going to fucking work out for you very well. And I just thought to myself, like, you know what? After all these years in the business, that that's exactly what you should do is be completely unprofessional. <laughs> be a fucking douchebag. Never go in the Hall of Fame because you fucking went to business for yourself. I'm just like, fuck it, man. It's just fucking pro wrestling. Like, I've read, I read a guy today. I'm not even going to give him fucking, I'm not even going to give him a mention to his name, but I read of, and it was just like something about nobody kicked out of, like only one person kicked out of my finish or something like that. I'm thinking to myself, like, are you fucking kidding me? A worker said this. That yeah. No, no like, one ever oh, kicked out. Nobody, like, nobody, no, only one person, more people kicked out of Austin's finish than they did mine. I'm thinking, you do know this is fucking work, right? Careful, like, don't say that F word. Yeah, I'm not going to say fake. <laughs> no, that's fine. I just tried to trade chess today. My shoulder fucking said, hey, how big was that fucking wrestling Nash, you fucking tool? <laughs> the Wolverine, 999. Can you get Kevin to shoot on Bill Watts? I've always been fascinated by a story that Nash dressed down Watts at a cage match with Yokozuna in the WWF days. We told this on air, didn't we? Yeah. Um, blah, 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 blah. Did anyone else have heat with Watts? Was Watts really a bully? Did anyone else have heat with Watts? I mean, everybody I, had issues. With yeah, Watts I don't think I, I really is there anybody that liked him. 
Keith Hellebrand ever play ball with other wrestlers while on the road? If so, yes. who can play well? Also, my dad Keith was the WCW and TNA pyro guy. Did you know Keith the pyro guy? Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure. I mean, if he, if I if he walked in this room right now, I'd know. He, I'm horrible with names, but right. I'm, I'm, I don't forget faces. So, um, who could play ball? So it's we're at the first King of the Ring, and we're at the, at the Nutter Center in Dayton, and they got a, a couple of ball courts next next to the. So, Taker and me are gonna fucking we're gonna be the captains, and we're gonna pick our squads. So, I like a fucking fool. Uh, pick Virgil. You know, I'm thinking... Assuming that all stereotypes are in place. Right. I'm thinking, like, okay, brother's got to have some game, right? <laughs> Fucking worst athlete ever. <laughs> I was going to say, ever. Seaman the Ring? Come on. Last last guy picked in gym class at an all-white Catholic school. <laughs> I mean, like, fuck. I love him to death, man. But it was just like... But uh, I think I had Billy Gunn. I think Billy Gunn... Billy Gunn could fucking he can he can play. Um, I actually I actually did dunk on Taker fucking baseline two hands. Taker had Taker had a nice touch off. He was like a nice touch off glass. Yeah, Taker was. I could I could see that Taker was Taker. I mean Taker's a good athlete anyway. But mm-hmm. how about you know. Yoko? I think Yoko was fucking just, I think Yoko was smoking cigarettes. Just watching. Yeah. James Prentice, how and when did you get this I don't give a fuck attitude? It seems no matter what anyone says about you, you just let it go and don't retaliate. I love this mindset and I want to adopt adopt it in my life. This is my new favorite podcast. So you could have a, a guru, like a Tony Robbins type. Uh, yeah, but see. You're teaching people how to. Okay, number one, you have to get, um, you have to lose your dad at eight years old. And then you have to have fucking like civil unrest in your city for two fucking years. So th- th- that's key. Those two things are key. So at that point, you don't know whether or not somebody's going to kick in your door and fucking murder your whole family, and you're eight. So it's not like you can do a fucking whole hell of a lot. I mean, you know, there's only so many kitchen knives to go around. So th- that's number one. Number two, you you fucking you get the the push of your life. You got to become the world champion, and your mom is dying of breast cancer. And I became world champion. I want to think November the twenty fourth. My mom passes December twenty seventh. So I, I, for one fucking uh, one month and like two fucking days is is my fucking title reign and then my mom fucking passes. Mm. So you got so at that point, tell me you fucking care. You know, tell me you fucking like what like, what is why why do I care? Oh, you're a goof. Oh, you're this. Oh, you, how about your quad? Oh, you said adjective. Oh, I'll make up something about you. You know. And that's another thing that pisses me off about that 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 summer ninety two thing is there are people out there, man, that fucking are are, are fucking raped. I mean, it's, it's like every day, and 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 the majority of it's fucking 
some freaky uncle with some eight-year-old girl or some shit, you know, some shit that just fucks up society. And people want to make fucking that, that that's a joke. Uh, survivor, hey, Victor, fuck you. That's nothing to make joke about. Fucking rape is not a joking fucking matter. You know, so why do you think you your face got put on? Is that uh, because uh, people view you as too liberal and they were doing that whole Me Too? Because they do reference the Me Too on that poster, right? So is that a, a commentary on your politics? Yeah. Well, you know, like it's it, you know, it sure is funny how, um, and and now we we, we we you know we've had a week to digest this. The. uh the FBI agents did not raid the house. The FBI agents served a warrant. They didn't knock on the door, kick the door in. Fucking, they told the Secret Service they were coming. Secret Service knew they were coming. Trump was gone. So let's just, let's just say what it was. So a week's gone by. He has the fucking search warrant. He knows exactly what they're looking for. He knows exactly why they were there. Why should fucking the attorney general have to tell it? Why doesn't, if, 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 if Trump's fucking not guilty of anything, why doesn't he say, this is what these motherfuckers, I forgot who it was the other day that said like, you know, if, if, if you had a search warrant and said that I had 10 kilos of fucking Coke and you came through my house and you didn't find 10 kilos of Coke, you don't think I'd be on a fucking scribble? I think it was Bill Maher. You know, it's just like, and that's you actually I, you actually said that last week too though you said yeah that, it's just that it's, this is a great opportunity obviously so he's then, innocent so and there's two, nothing in the vault so two days safe. later he goes to New York on this fucking uh, this business fraud situation uh, tax evasion everything else fucking Ivanka and Donald Jr. fucking both give testimony he pleads the fifth fucking for. 30 hours after having said in 2016 in Iowa, why would anyone take the fifth if yeah. they're not guilty? But now, now I know when why you write this. It's like now, now I know why, because it's a witch hunt. And then they showed like on, uh, on, it was even like, like it, it, he's pushed the fucking, the boundary so far that it being like Fox has to kind of go like, all right, kind of, yeah, that kind of fucking fishy. Yeah, young Mur Murdoch uh, is said to the report I read today is that um, behind the scenes is not uh, is not very fond of uh, what's been going on the last few years with uh, with Donald. So it'll be interesting where they go with their uh, coverage and their endorsements in the coming months, coming year. As they said, you know, he, he, he was using this for uh, for campaign, uh, you know. Who's to say fucking he's, anybody's writing a check? Maybe somebody's saying, you know what? Fucking DeSantos looks a lot fucking stronger right now. Maybe mm -hmm. I'll write a check for Ron. Could be. Kayfabe is asking Florida you. man. Florida, yeah. He's the fucking leading the charge, Florida man, in uh, Tallahassee there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the fourth Reich. <laughs> Got two impressions out of you. We got we got Hop Sing earlier, and now we have Adolf. Kayfabe asks, who would win in a fight, Oz, Vinny Vegas, or Master Blaster Steel? Master Blaster Steel was gassed to the fucking gills. The other two guys were <laughs> the other two guys were clean little bitches. 
<laughs> I master blaster was a motherfucker. I actually fucking showed up at the Cheetah. This is a good story. So, I, so, so Bill Haygood owned the Cheetah for fucking forever. And I was like, he asked me to help, help him move one time. And, um, so I, I showed up and I moved, I helped him move with, with two other, he had his two sons. So I, I helped him move. And at the end of the day, he, he went to peel off a couple of hundred, like maybe 500 bucks. And I just looked at him and I said, you asked me to help you move, man. You didn't fucking say you're paying me. I said, you know, you give me a, you give me a fucking good job. If I can, you take care of me. I said, we're, we're, we're good, man. And that just stuck in his mind to the point where I said, fuck it, man. I'm not starting for like three weeks, uh, you know, and I was only getting like 1750 a week when I, when I broke in wrestling. And, uh, I'm thinking like, fuck, I, I could be making fucking, you know, 2,500, three grand a week. Mm back at the fucking club for these next three weeks. I want to take a pay cut, you know, anyway, getting in this fucking shit business. So, you know, I might as well fucking make it while I can. So I show up with that fucking mo- that fuchsia mohawk at the fucking club in my tuxedo for my shift. <laughs> fucking hey, goods up in VIP. I see him walking towards me, and as he's walking towards me, I see him fucking start to fucking smile. He looks at me and goes, only you could pull that off, Nash. I said, is it cool? He goes, Fuck yeah, ain't gonna be nobody gonna fuck around here the next couple of weeks. And I fucking sported that fucking mohawk. Excellent. Glenn, what are your thoughts of the late Andrew Test Martin? You guys were good friends and you seemed upset by his passing. Did you ever see him uh, going into the Hall of Fame? He was talented, man. He was was a stud. He, uh, my son and I, uh, went to a WrestleMania with him that was actually Sean's last match. And, uh, you know, my son, my son actually got close with him. So that was like, I think that was the first wrestler that passed that, that my son had a, a relationship with, um, that I had a relationship with. He tore my heart. I mean, he was just, you know, he was like my, my young, my young boy, you know, it's just like, he was going to carry the, the, I don't give a fuck torch. You know, after I was gone, yeah. but fucking, that didn't work out so good. But, uh, yeah, he was, you know, he was dating Kelly Kelly at the time. And, and Christian was, was, you know, Christian and his wife were, where we, we tried to do some interventions and shit. And we thought we had him a couple of times going the right direction, but just, it was just tough. Where did he live? Did he live near you? Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. What a heat-seeking missile that motherfucker was, man. It's like 6'6", six, six and he bought a vet. I'm like, what the fuck? This <laughs> is childhood fantasy. Leave him alone. When we were kids in Detroit, man, like, if the, the guy had a vet, you go, you go like this. <laughs> too soft. Yeah. No, too 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 blue, hard. Too blue-chewed hard. <laughs> Cliff Booth has the question of the night, maybe of the series so far. Oh, God. Joints or blunts? Blunts. Honey blunts. There you go. There's the official stamp of approval. And uh, and what more to say? I mean, that's where you got to end it, right? I mean, that's the perfect. Yeah, blunts uh, over anything. Perfect way over there. Um, where do you stand on edibles? 
too long? The delivery system is too long? Uh, I would say a a quick little little, little story about my fucking, my, my, my very short run into the fucking drug cocaine. Okay. So they lay out some cocaine. Where? When? What? What is this? This is fucking my fr- my freshman year of college. Oh, okay. And uh, fucking, you know, I do a fucking you know decent size, like maybe. Yeah, but this is back when, you know, like the whole cocaine thing was. You know, you took the mirror down, and one guy sat there for fucking seven hours. And did like this fucking, you know, it looked like etch a sketch. Like every line was the same weight, and you know, you could do three, brother. <laughs> so I fucking, you know, I do, I do three. He goes, "You're a big guy. Do do a couple more." All of a sudden, that shit starts dripping down my throat, and I'm like, "Oh fuck, man, that's it. That's intense." Fuck, it's, it's, fuck, I feel strong. So a man should feel. It's exactly how a man should fucking feel. Except if he's got fucking severe anxiety. Ah, how long is this going to last? Motherfucker. I'm fucking drinking fucking bourbon out of a bottle. I'm like, fuck it's this, man. My chest was just... I'm thinking, oh, man, fucking, I mean, I went completely to the please God don't take me. I won't fuck with this shit again. I mean, I just, I, I spend my fucking whole life trying to get the landing gear fucking down. I don't want to fucking pull the landing gear up in my ass. I was going to say, it's it's not the up that you need. It's the No, it's I the need, down. yeah, I'm a fucking, I'm, I'm psychotic. I need fucking, I need fucking horse tranquilizers. Well, there it is. Uh, that's you know. Uh, God damn it, though. Uh, the bunkhouse stampede, Kev. Again, mm. it was just too good. We were rolling, man. You know, we we're rolling. I wanted to hear about your uh, your life before wrestling, your your careers before. Maybe next week. How about next week? We'll say next week, bunkhouse stampede. What if, yeah, I mean, yeah. Because we got it, we've got to cut. We we can't talk as uh, this Czechoslovakia thing is fucking. It's starting to fucking pull the show in a different direction. I know. Well, all right. So maybe we'll we'll get those re- the references to Bulgaria out of the way early, and then we can we can get stay with the bunkhouse stampede. Maybe I guess I, I, actually, I have my gig somewhere. Do I put my I, gig? I actually got fucking. Uh, I, I got us a fucking advertisement with Viking. The longboats. Viking longboats. Yep, Co- coastal Czechoslovakia, nineteen ninety nine. Click this is a production of Butch and Sundance Media, produced in association with Podcast Heat, producer Steve Kaufman, graphics by Dominic D'Angelo, theme song by Dale Oliver, technical research by Tristan Nash. Copyright twenty twenty two. Butch and Sundance, Me- Sundance Media. Kevin, you want to do another one? What do you think, Scott? Want to do another one? Survey says yes. One more for the good guys. Are you? 
you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at SaveWithConrad.com. The Christmas countdown's on at JCPenney. Through Saturday, use your coupon and dash away with very merry savings on last-minute gifts across the store. Like fine jewelry stocking stuffers up to 70% off after coupon. And save up to 50% on comfy, stylish outerwear for the whole fam. Add curbside pickup to make your trip extra quick. We got your holiday. JCPenney. Offers good on select items through 1224. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. <laughs> 